You found the First Baptist Rockdale Midweek Podcast. Lean in and learn as we study God's Word together. Enjoy. So we're, uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're taking some time over the next, I don't know, it'll be four more weeks, including this week, to kind of talk about what makes you uh, uniquely you, what makes you special and unique in the kingdom of God, and then how that translates into what you should or should not be doing um, for God, right? Not everybody needs to do everything um, for, um, for, for God and His church and, and, and the work of God. Um, we're created special to fulfill our special role. So last week I talked about spiritual gifting, um, and we looked at um, some of the spiritual gifts as laid out in Romans. I, I let you go home with a spiritual gift inventory. I don't know how many of you took the time to take that. It's like an 85-question spiritual gift inventory. If you weren't here last week and you're like, man, hey, I'd like to do that, I think I still have some sitting on my couch in my office. I can, I can hand you one or two of those. Uh, just to give you an idea of maybe where your spiritual gifting is, what it is that maybe is special gifts from God that makes you um, specially you. Today we're going to look at another part that makes you unique, different than other people, and that is uh, the area of our passion, the things that we care about, that our heart is motivated by. You know, some things that I'm very, very passionate about, other people are very dispassionate about, and vice versa. I get on Facebook and I look at people, and they are very passionate about politics. I mean, very passionate about politics. And I am not. Uh, I, I, I respect our, uh, our leaders as God-ordained. Um, I have political opinions, obviously, because I'm a human being. Um, but I'm not passionate about that. If your side wins, I don't lose sleep over that. And if my side wins, I don't hold a Super Bowl party. Uh, because my side won. You know, there's a lot of people who, who their whole life is tied up about that things. But man, I, there are things that I'm passionate about that I get excited about and easily worked up about. There's some sporting events that I can get excited about. I was at my son's basketball game yesterday, uh, and the game uh, was close. And man, I was all over the referee. I mean, <laughs> there, was a, there was a kid on Julian's team. So I was, it was that Seth's game. There's a kid on Julian's team, and they were playing after Seth for reasons I don't understand. Um, but, uh, but he told me, this wasn't after this, actually the game before. Uh, Julian's like, leans back, he's like, right, Dad, you're a preacher. And I was like, yes. He's like, see, I told you so. Like, this kid is incredulous to think that, that I would be a preacher. And, and I asked the kid, I was like, well, yeah, of course. He's like, you talk too much trash to be a preacher. Right? Like, that was his kind of concept about me. Like, you talk a little too much trash to be a preacher. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I trust that. Right? There's things you get passionate about. Right? And we don't, we don't control our passions, right? right? Well, the things that, that, that just drive us, that motivate us, um, that get us out in the morning. There, you know, you may be passionate about what you do. That's a wonderful thing, by the way, to be passionate about what you do. You know, I worked for a while for a company called Roadway. And Roadway uh, was a freight company. And we would, I would drive a forklift. Uh, and I would load up big trucks uh, from a dock in Houston, and they would go other places, and then that truck would pull out, and another one pull, and there was like 120 bays of trucks always waiting to be loaded um, on this uh, kind of loading dock that I worked at. And let me tell you something. I hated every minute of it. There wasn't one minute that I liked going to work. The money was good for a 19-year-old newlywed. Um, I brought home $100 a day after taxes, 
Um, and that was enough to pay rent and begin to put food on the table as a 19-year-old who's married. By the way, that's a dangerous way to start your life, 19, married, working for a shipping company. But, but we did it, right? The reason I went to work there was because my other job, my ministry job at that time, was very part-time. And it would not pay enough for that, right? I, and and, and I, I remember it was the first time I ever lied to my wife. This is probably true. I think it was. Not the last time, but the first time I ever lied to my wife. Um, I, was, uh, I, I was a casual employee. It was a union shop. Teamsters uh, ran the shop. Uh, and I was a casual employee, which means I would fill in when a guy was on vacation or I would fill in whenever uh, they needed somebody, someone got sick. And so they would call you um, three hours before a shift and say, hey, can you work tonight? And if you said no, they would not call you ever again. Um, because they have no business calling people who won't come into work when they need you to come into work. But you would also pick up the phone about three hours or two hours before a shift, and you would call the number, and you would see if they had anything open for you. And that was the other part of the job that you would do. And the shifts were, you know, it was just whenever they were. So I was working overnight. I was working middle of the day. It was just whenever they could throw me in somewhere to get me to work, they'd put me to work. And I remember I, I hated the job so much. I picked up our little cordless phone, which was a thing, and I, and, I, and I dialed the number, but I didn't hit the talk button, right? And then I'm like, hey, you got any shifts? And there's no one here because I've not actually dialed the phone. No? All right, I'll call back later, right? <laughs> right? And then I'm like clicking the end button on it, right? And it was at that moment when I'm lying to my wife about, not, about going to work and not actually going to work, right? Not doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, that I realized my passions matter. Like the fact that I hate this job matters because I'm not going to do it and I'm not going to provide for my family and I'm not going to be the person I need to be. I'm going to be a liar if I don't find a way to be inside my passion. I knew ministry was what I was passionate about. I love teaching God's word. I love discipling people. I love investing in people's spiritual lives. It is what drives me. It is the most important thing in my life. It starts with my family, and it moves on to how y'all receive that from me, but it is crucial to who I am. I love what I do, right? And so there's not many bad days in ministry. There's days where I have to deal with some tough things, but I love what I do. Things that would drain other people energize me because my passion is being met in my vocation. Now, I know not all of you are that lucky. Some of you do a job because you have to do a job, because putting food on the table is important, right? I respect that. I respect the, the discipline to going to do that. So if your job isn't passion-based, maybe you have some other things in your life you can say, man, I am passionate about this. Your passions are God-given, right? We're, we're told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength, right? Part of what we're supposed to love God with is just that inner state of who we are, that our soul, right, the piece of us that's passionate about things, our heart, just the things that drive us to do things, right? That, well, our passion should honor God. Today we're going to be in the book of Exodus, and we're just going to read a little bit about where passion uh, is at, and we have the, the story of Moses. Now Moses, uh, if you know much about him, he was born at a time when he wasn't supposed to be born. Every child, every male child was supposed to be executed um, at this time in the history of Israel, um, the Egyptians were trying to keep the, the, the population down and force intermarriage between the Israelite women and the Egyptian men, and that would eventually 
annihilate Israelite culture. They would all be one melting pot culture, right? That's what Egypt was trying to do. Um, But there were uh, people, civil disobedience going on at the time. Moses was born, his mom hit him so that no one knew about him. And then whenever he was too big to hide, and I don't know how old that is when a baby gets too big to hide, but I got like a 19-month-old and I could not hide him, right? He's running all over the place. He's a a madman, right? And so um, at some point when he was too large to to hide and to, 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 to not acknowledge that he was there, uh, she set him in a basket among some reeds so that he would be discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. She adopts him. Right? She adopts him. She can't um, nurse him because she didn't give birth to him. So they go and they find someone who can nurse him and keep him healthy, and that happens to be his mother, um, fortunately, thanks to Miriam. And then Moses grows up in the house of the, the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's daughter. We pick up in, 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 in Exodus chapter 2, and, and Moses is now grown up, um, and we have uh, verse 11. It says, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, that's the Israelite people, and he looked on their burdens, for they were slaves, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which is one of his people. And he looked this way, and he looked that way, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian, and he hit him, in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling with each other. And he said to the man who was in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And the man answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me just as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing I did is known. So he ran and he hid. This story tells us a lot about Moses. Moses was passionate about his people. His people were the nearest thing to his heart. We know this because if we fast forward 40 years, he spends 40 years in a land called Midian. God calls him back and says, you know that burden that you had, that thing that drove you to murder somebody? I need you to use that for my purposes. I need you to go back passionately for the people of God, the Israelite people. I need you to lead them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, to face down the most powerful man in the world at that time, which was the Pharaoh of Egypt, and to take my people back to where they're supposed to be, the promised land, the land of Canaan. Right? That's the story of Moses, and we have that whole story laid out in the book of Exodus, and then it continues on. Uh, into, into Leviticus through Deuteronomy. But, but what we see here is Moses is passionate about his people. Right? And you, you probably have some people that you're passionate about like that. Maybe it's your kids, right? I'm passionate about my children. Right? I'm passionate about my brothers. I'm passionate about my, my wife. Right? They're, I'm passionate about my people here, right? If there was someone um, to, to, to assault or attack one of you, my people, right? I, I, I would be angered. It wouldn't just be like, oh, well, that kind of stinks for Doc, right? right? When, when someone does you wrong, I get mad with you, right? Like, I probably should be talking to you off the ledge, but like, I'm like, let's go get them, <laughs> right? Because like, like, I, I, there's passion that we have for people. Moses was passionate about his people. He cared about the Israelite people. Guys, your passion comes directly from God. Right? Because it comes from God, passion is a good thing. You know, some people try to live a life with no passion. There's this whole uh, thing of philosophy, you know, stoicism, right? Where you, where you, where you don't, uh, you're, you're unemotional, you, you don't get up or down, you just try to, 
maintain level. And if you'll do that, then you're, you're approaching uh, righteousness or goodness or holiness or whatever it is if you can keep your passions under control where no one knows what, what, what really drives you. But guys, that's unhealthy. Your passions are God-given. They're to be embraced. They're to be uh, appreciated that God gave them to you. But you know what? They're not always good. Just because they're God-given doesn't make them good. Sometimes your passion is misdirected. Moses was passionate for his people, Israel. God gave him that passion because he wanted him to lead his people from, from Egypt one day. That was why Moses was given that passion. But Moses abused that passion because he went out one day, and it's really my favorite, I don't know, top five story in the Bible. right? Because I love how, how uh, the writer of Exodus tells it. Right? It says Moses goes out to look at his people, and he sees an Egyptian like beating on him. And then Moses looks this way and that way. I love it. It's like he's like, hmm? Hmm? All right. And then he rises up and he kills the guy. And then he just buries him in the sand. I think like a dog. Like, like I love the, the, the picture there. It's like Moses is like, hmm? Hmm? And dead. Right? And then he buries him in the sand. Moses is passionate about his people, but murder is wrong. Right? It was wrong for Moses to kill the Egyptian. It wasn't God's uh, purpose for Moses to be a murderer. Right? And we see that in our passions, right? There are things that drive us. We're adults here, so we can talk a little bit about sex. Sex is a huge passion, right? It's, it's an act of passion. In fact, sometimes we substitute the word passion for sex. Like, we, we, they're interchangeable at times in our language, right? And it is, a, it is a God-given thing that you have that passion, that desire, that urge. It's wonderful. It's great. I have these conversations with my kids. I make them very uncomfortable, right? It is a great thing. It is a wonderful passion, but you know what? It can be misdirected very easily, right? It doesn't take much for the thing that we love, and we, it drives us, right, to get, to get turned just a little bit, right? And what used to be God-ordered and proper becomes corrupt and wicked, right? We see it, right? We read about it in the news where we see people with, um, you know, child pornography, or we see people whose marriages have fallen apart, because they've fallen into all sorts of crazy sexual sins, right? I, I had a, well, I'm not going to go there, but there's all sorts of weird people out there with this issue. And sometimes they walk into my office and I deal with them. And it's weird stuff, stuff that if you were just to lay it out, you would naturally be like, that's gross. That's wrong. But you know what? You don't, you don't go there on step run, right? When your passion is misdirected, you take just a little step over. And then that begins to seem normal, and you take another little step over. And as your passion gets misdirected, you can be way far away from where God has ordained your passions to be. Right? Your passion is an important, God-given thing, but it's easily misdirected. Moses murdered someone out of his passion to protect his people. Right? That's not holy. It's not righteous. God used a murder to do wonderful things. That's redemption, by the way. It's why I know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced, like God isn't done with you. Right? You, you could be pretty wicked. And truth be told, you are pretty wicked. But God can still use you because he used Moses and Moses literally murdered someone. That's our baseline for being a decent person, right? Like, are you a good person? Well, I haven't killed anybody. Moses couldn't say that. Right? Like, that basic, like, well, I didn't murder anybody. Right? He had to go to the Hitler, which is our next one, and be like, well, I'm not a Hitler. Right? I'm better than him. I didn't organize a mass holocaust. 
I'm doing okay, right? It's easy for your passions to be misdirected, the things you care about, right? You might love sports like I do. I have sports teams that I root for, and there's been seasons where my passion for them has been misdirected, right? Instead of being like a well-ordered part of my life, it, it moved way too high on my priority list, right? To the point that my wife was suffering because the Houston Astros were playing, right? Right, and... I mean, some of y'all choose to suffer by watching the Rangers. I don't understand it, right? Be better than that, right? But, but, but my wife suffered, right, because of my passions got misdirected. It's a dangerous thing, but your passions are God-ordained. Like they're good by their nature until we abuse them, until we take them too far in the wrong direction. Be careful with that. We learn cautionary tale from Moses. But you know, your passions can fuel your life's purpose, right? Moses had this passion for his people, and that passion drove his entire purpose for existence. Guys, this is why I really think it's important for you to find yourself doing things inside of what you care about. Like, like, like Doc loves music. I hope you love music. I believe you love music, right? Because if he doesn't like or love music, he's spending a lot of time on things he has no business spending his time on. Right, he's up here on Wednesdays, he's up here on Sundays, he's traveling around uh, on the weekends to, to play music. Like, if you don't love that, what are you doing? Right? You don't be so far out of your passions. You might have to work 40 hours a week for the man, right? You might have to spend 40 hours a week doing a job that, that isn't fulfilling. But when, the, when you're on off time, be in your passion because your life's purpose is probably somewhere in one of the passions that God has put in you. The special thing that you can do that I can't do, the thing that you have a calling to do, and I mean this in a very literal way, every person here has a unique calling by God to do something God-ordained special. Something that I cannot substitute for. Or I cannot be you and do what God has put you on this earth to do. That's good news for me, because that means I don't have to try to be you. I just have to try to figure out what it is that God's using me to do. You likewise need to do that work. Don't think i got to wait for someone else to figure it out. You have a passion in your life. Live inside of those passions. Spend time in those passions, keeping them inside of the land they belong in. And then find a way that you can be a part of what God is doing. Right? God can use music. God can use your love for sports. God can use your, your love for your family. God can use those things to fuel your life's purpose where you'll be making an eternal impact. One of the reasons that, that fathers and mothers care for their children so much is because God has put that inside of us to love and to care and to nurture our children. If we would lean into that role, if we would lean into loving and caring for our children, all of a sudden our investment is of eternal significance right fathers you don't exist in your family to provide food for your kids right you exist in your family to be a father to your children mothers you don't exist in your family to make enough money so that y'all have the second car that you want to have or to make enough uh money so that you have this or to clean the house so that it's maintained in this way you exist in your family to invest in the life of your child, right? That, that, that's why you took on the title of mother. If you're a grandparent here today, your job isn't done, right? It continues forward because you have a passion for those people. I know it, 
right? I, I, I love the Morgan Street. I love the Morgan Street, right? Y'all love your grandkids. Y'all, I'm like, man, I haven't seen you on a few Sundays. Well, we're over here with the grandkids. We're over there with the grandkids, right? Because the grandkids, right, they matter. And you have a God-ordained purpose to minister to those children as you lean into them, as you love them, as you invest in them, as you, as you attend their events, as you're a part of their world. You're not just doing it to check the box to say, oh yeah, they were at my events, or oh yeah, they were at this thing with me. No, you're doing it so they see Jesus Christ. Your passion fuels your life's purpose. It's important that you do that. Moses' life's purpose was to set the Israelites free from the bondage of, uh, of slavery, and to take them to the promised land. That was his life's purpose. And, and that, was, that, that life's purpose was discovered because it had a burning passion to protect his people, to protect the people that God had. But your passions, you know, they, 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 they fuel your life's purpose. But you know, what, you know what's great about your passions? They can be shared with other people. Your passion is a contagious thing. You've ever been in a room before and you get someone and they start talking and you're like, I will charge that mountain with that person. Like, I don't even know where we're going, but I'm going to follow that guy because he's taking me somewhere and I'm going. That's how you get into multi-level marketing schemes, by the way. Be careful about that. Just so you know, the pyramid scheme here, you're like, man, I'm going to sell all the Mary Kay in the world, right? Or whatever your thing is. Plexus, I don't care. Like, I I've got enough random multi-level marketing scheme junk in my house because my wife, she, she charges a lot of mountains unsuccessfully, okay? So if you need any Mary Kay or 31 bags or Pampers, shit, oh my goodness. I don't want to get into that. But guys, your, your passion can be shared. It's a contagious thing. You know, some people don't know what they're passionate about. They're just floating through this life and they need to see people living inside of their passions on purpose for Jesus Christ. And if you will live in your passion purposefully seeking out, making Jesus Christ known, other people who have similar passions will, will, will just fall in line with you. Because it's what they want to do. They don't even know that's why they're jumping on board with you. They don't even understand that God has wired them that way with passions that other people don't have. They don't get it. But God does. So when you're out there and you're living your life be, be, be vocal about the things that you care about. Right? Be, 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 be a, like a, a forward, front and center person with things that matter to you. Because it matters to some people. There's a lot of listless people in this world just trying to make it to payday, just trying to make it another week, just trying to make it another month, just trying to make it to the next meal. And when they see someone who has a passion and they're inside of it, man, they will follow you. They'll follow you because their heart is already made to go that direction. They just didn't know it until they saw it. So guys, I want to encourage you today. You, you are specially made by God. Your passion should inform what you do. You know, inside of our church, there is like a million different ways you can volunteer, you can help, you can get involved. Right? And I'm holding right now, if you were to like look at what I do, 9 to 5, I've got a lot of balloons in my hands that I do not care about. I mean, a lot of things that I do every week that I, 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 I would gladly hand off to someone who had a passion for it. Do you know why I don't lead worship on Sunday mornings? Just so you know. It's not that I can't sing, though I'm not the best singer. I'm loud, but I'm not the best. It's not that I can't sing. It's not that I, I don't know the songs. It's that I have literally no desire to do that. 
at all. None. No desire. Right? Like, could I do it? Yes. Have I done it? Yes. Will I do it? If there's literally no one else who can. But I will ask a hundred different people before that happens. It's not what I'm made to do. And so I gave that balloon away a long time ago, and I do not want it back. Right? If Doc says, here's the balloon back, if he told me that today, tonight I would be on the phone trying to hand it to people. I would be eager to get rid of it because it's not something that I need to be hoarding. This church needs you to serve in your passions. Whatever that is, whether that's on a committee, whether it's on a team, whether that's in a, in, in, in a small group, in a Sunday school class, we need you to be inside of your passions. Some of you need to discover what that is. So if, you, if you're looking for a place to get involved and to begin to use your passions in a way that honors God, like, I would love to try to help you with that. It doesn't mean that I'll get it right, because naturally I'm going to kick you into kids' Sunday school just to start with, because, like, somebody's got to do that, right? And maybe someone's got a passion for it. Not this guy. I'm so bad with other people's kids. This is a side note. I'm so bad with other people's kids. I'm only okay with mine, but I was at a thing we had here. And my wife, like, because she's good at that stuff, she assumes, like, that I'm, because I married her, that I just am good by osmosis or something that i picked it up by being around her but i am bad i'm a grumpy old man like these i got some little punk kid running around me and i'm like you need to listen and he's like i'm like i'm gonna wear you out and and this is like some i don't even know this kid's parents i'm gonna wear you out and he looks at me he's like what's that mean and i'm like there's the problem ain't never been worn out in your life like you need to get wore out kid my knees bend you over their knee and, and wait until they're tired. Right? Like, I'm not good with kids. I'll naturally shove you in there to see. Maybe you're, maybe you're better than I am, right? Right? Because we always need people there. But there's a hundred different places you can work, you can serve, you can volunteer, you can use your talents. There's places all around that we can help you with. But I want you to be in your passion. So when you're in the kids' Sunday school class and you're like, I hate every minute of this, I'm not going to leave you there. Because I wouldn't want to be there. But I would find another place for you. Maybe help, help greet people. Maybe you need to help with like, uh, all this like, social media nonsense. Like, I don't want to do this stuff. I do so much of it, and I don't want to do it. Right? Maybe you love that stuff. Good. God bless you. Take it. Go. Right? But be in your passions. Your passions can be used by God to do great things. But no one can do there's not one person in this world who's made with the exact same makeup that you're made with. So begin to learn who you are and use those passions for God's glory. Let me pray.